Hi, welcome to the Vineyard Altoona podcast, where we attempt to equip people for kingdom release. If you have any questions or just want more information, you can visit our website at vineyardaltuna.org or any of our social media platforms at Vineyard Altoona. And now, here's Derek with the message. Hey friends, welcome again to Vineyard Altoona. My name is Derek. Uh, We're going to begin a new series today uh, on our third and final core value as a church. And if you've been keeping track, uh, since we came back in person, we've actually been preaching uh, a series through each of our core values. So uh, the last two sermon series have been on uh, our first core value of we join what God is doing. And our second core value of we highly value the outsider. But today, we're going to begin a series on our core value of we pursue wholeness with authenticity. And before we dive into this this particular uh, message, I want to pray. And this is going to be maybe a little bit of a different um, message. You know, a lot of times I like to take one passage and... uh, exposit the whole passage, but uh, really to understand this value that we have of pursuing wholeness with authenticity needs to start with sort of a comprehensive, more um, whole Bible idea. So I'm going to pray and then we're going to dive in. So Lord, I do welcome you into this time and God, I pray that you would speak. Lord, we need, uh, we have all kinds of problems. We have all kinds of issues in our world. We have all kinds of of things that are not as they should be. And Lord, what we need is not more good ideas. Lord, what we need is more of your presence. And so God, I pray that you would bring that. God, as I speak today, would you empower me to speak as I should? Would you put power on this message? And God, I pray that we would get a glimpse of the kingdom today. God, that we would taste of the fruit of the kingdom. So put power on this message, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, one of the things that I've become fascinated with recently is the concept of like story. Have you ever like really dug into that? I've become so interested in how people tell good stories and how people write good stories. It's fascinating to me. And so I've begun to read books, which if you know me, you know that's kind of my way of of doing this. But I've begun to read books on on how to write and how to tell good stories. And one of the things that I've learned through this process is that a good story consists of having a, a, a main character who experiences a conflict and then ultimately goes on a quest or a pursuit to resolve the conflict. And what makes the score uh, the story good, or what makes us perceive the story as good, is the degree to which we can connect to the struggle that the character has in pursuing the the resolution, or, or, or as they go through the pursuit. It's the degree to which we can relate and connect emotionally. I mean, uh, if you if you can't really connect on an emotional level to the struggle that the character experiences. Uh, you probably won't think the story is very good. You know, it's also interesting if you've ever seen a movie that has uh, no conflict, like the the character has to go through no pursuit, they're actually really bad movies. 
You know, if you, it takes the conflict and the pursuit of the resolution to actually make the story good. If you can connect emotionally, the story will appeal to you. I mean, think of any of your favorite movies. They all have this in common. Every good movie has this in common. Let me just give you one example. Uh, how many of you remember the movie Finding Nemo? Uh, did, you, did you see that? Yeah. Early on in the movie Finding Nemo, you're introduced to this character, Marlon. It's the father, right? And, and so Marlon uh, is terrified. He's, he's constantly afraid that something bad is going to happen to Nemo, uh, his son. But at the very beginning of the movie, you get this idea about why. They sort of give you this backstory that uh, his home is attacked uh, by, by a fish and, and all that's left... He, his whole home, his whole life, all that's left is himself and Nemo. So, so his entire world is summed up in him and this, and this Nemo, right? And so we innately connect with the, the feeling of loss and the fear that comes with it. Well, right off the bat, right? Marlin is terrified and Nemo is gone, right? Right off the bat, the, the worst possible case happens. And for the rest of the movie, we ride along with Marlon as he faces his fear, as he, as he faces all the things that he thinks could go wrong in pursuit of overcoming this fear to find his son Nemo, right? So what makes the story compelling is that we can emotionally connect with that fear, with, that, uh, with the doubt, with, you know, we can connect with his pursuit, and, and, you know, he eventually has to overcome the things he's afraid of in order to, to be successful. There's something inherently appealing about the idea of pursuit, isn't there? Like, that's what connects us. It's this, the fact that we're all in a pursuit. Most of us understand our lives this way, right? Most of us understand that our lives are going somewhere. That we're on a pursuit, that there's a direction and a destination to our lives. And, and interestingly enough, if you lose sight of this, it's really one of the biggest causes of feelings of hopelessness. If you don't have a direction or a purpose to life, things begin to feel hopeless. Well, it's no surprise then that we find the idea of pursuit in Scripture. Paul is constantly talking about being on a journey and being on a pursuit. I want to just read you a couple of passages that sort of sort of maybe drive this home. Philippians 3, 12 to 14 says this, Not that I have already obtained this, or I have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind Straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You see this, right? Like the whole tenor of this passage is pressing on towards a goal. It's pursuit. Or how about 1 Corinthians 9? Paul says this. He says, do you not know that in a race all runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run. This is to Christians. Run in such a way as to get the prize. Paul says, run in such a way as to get the prize. Live your life as a follower of Jesus in such a way that you would accomplish what you're pursuing. 
Or let me give you one more, and this is just fairly explicit. Second uh, Timothy two twenty two says, "Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart." Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, right? That's pursuit. It's clear. The life of following Jesus is a life of pursuit. When you get saved, it's not the end. It's you haven't accomplished it. When you get baptized, it's not the end. These are the beginnings of a life of pursuit. You know, we used to put pictures uh, on the wall. Those of you who remember the train station, we used to put pictures on the wall of people who got baptized. And I think one of the things that really got hard for me and, and was the how many people we would baptize and they would sort of take it as if they had finished. That baptism was the end. That somehow I'm a Christian now. I've, I'm saved. I'm baptized. I'm done. But it's not a biblical perspective that following Jesus is a pursuit, right? At the very least, if you understand following Jesus, even in those terms, is that we're pursuing Jesus, right? That there's pursuit built into this idea of following Jesus. But as we think about this idea of a core value of of pursuing wholeness with authenticity, I want to understand what we're pursuing, I want to understand, I want to help us understand how we will know when we've achieved uh, what we're pursuing or when we've arrived. You see, when we talk about this core value of we pursue wholeness with authenticity, one of the things that I think is pretty essential is to describe what we mean by pursuing wholeness. Now, in order to, to dig a little bit into that, I need to say, what do we mean by wholeness? right? We understand pursuit. What do we mean by wholeness? You know, because we can have all kinds of descriptions, right? When we think about our lives in following Jesus, we can make all kinds of markers of what it looks like if we would have accomplished our Christian life. But the Bible is fairly clear. You know, we might say, well, I've achieved wholeness whenever I read the Bible every day, or I've achieved wholeness when Uh, You know, I don't struggle with this particular sin or that particular sin anymore. But the Bible is actually fairly clear about wholeness. In order to understand what we mean by wholeness, we have to understand the biblical concept of peace. The word peace. Cover to cover, the Bible refers to this idea of peace as something that comes from God. When we read the word peace, though, in the Bible, we generally miss the concept of what the the authors intend. We read this word peace, and we think, well, it must just mean the absence of conflict, right? Isn't that what you think of? You know, like, for those of you who argue with your spouse on a regular basis, you think, well, man, if I could just have some peace, it would mean I wasn't arguing anymore, right? And, And in the Bible, sometimes that's what the word peace means, But it's actually a much richer concept. The Hebrew concept of peace is captured by this word shalom. Shalom means, uh, I'll just read you out of a Hebrew dictionary. It has a lot of meanings. It does mean peace, like we said, but it also means wholeness, completeness, soundness, safety, welfare, health, prosperity, quiet, tranquility, contentment, and peace in relationships. 
In other words, peace in the Bible is actually wholeness and fullness of life. It's, it's what life looks like when it works the way it's supposed to. When everything is as it should be. Let me describe it another way. Let me kind of walk through this scripture with you a little bit. In Genesis 1 and 2, the Bible describes creation, right? And how Adam and Eve lived in communion with God and everything was the way it was intended. Adam and Eve lived in peaceful relationship with one another. They lived in peaceful relationship with the animals. Uh, the crops worked. They, they, they produced fruit. Um, the, they lived in peace with God. They had everything they needed. Now, if you just stop there, this is the picture of shalom, right? This is the picture of wholeness. It's the picture of peace. If you wanted a snapshot, whenever I talk about we pursue wholeness with authenticity, if you want a snapshot, think about what it was like in the garden. That's the picture that I'm talking about when it comes to wholeness. But, of course, we all know Genesis 3, everything goes wrong, right? Adam and Eve, they disobey God and sin enters the world. And from that point on, things are not as they should be, you know? We just see all kinds of stuff, right? Murder, people are at odds with each other. They do horrible things to each other. Poverty becomes a thing. Hunger becomes a thing. Crops don't work the way they're supposed to. People struggle to find relationship with God. People begin to get sick and die. And really, in short, wholeness or shalom is broken. From Genesis 3 on, wholeness becomes something people long for. And yet it seems to be elusive. And this really kind of points to a foundational concept. Friends, it's always the case. When we find brokenness anywhere, it's always the case that sin is at the root. Always. When we find ourselves in an experience of lack or brokenness or incompleteness, there may be a lot of contributing factors, but when we dig down and we look for the root cause, it's always sin. Now, it may be sin uh, you've engaged in. It may be sin done to you. It may just be the fact that we live in a world that is broken, that is marred by sin, that doesn't look the way it's supposed to, that doesn't function the way it's supposed to, but it's always the case that when we lack wholeness, what's at the root is sin. And this is important, and it'll become important as we go further uh, this morning. But here's the, the good news. What we see in Scripture is that God does not abandon His creation. See, we see a God who is committed to restoring wholeness to creation. God is committed to wholeness. And so in Genesis 12, God chooses Abram to be the beginning of his commitment to restore wholeness to creation. And so God works through this family, the nation of Israel, to restore wholeness. And we begin, as we go forward in the Old Testament, we begin to get this picture of what wholeness looks like when we get to King David. The nation of Israel is at rest. There are no enemies 
God's presence is with them. Everyone has enough. They're no longer nomads. They're no longer on the move. And David desires to build a permanent home for God to live. But of course, if you, if you know your Bible history, this doesn't last long, right? Because what was the problem? Well, sin causes brokenness. Even in the best areas, sin causes brokenness. And so the nation of Israel ends up carried out of the land that God had taken them to. And again, sin seems to destroy whatever wholeness has been created. But God speaks to uh, through the prophet Isaiah in chapter 9. I'll read it to you. In uh, verse 6 says, For to us a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Shalom, Prince of Wholeness, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. And of course, we know that this this is a passage that's pointing forward to Jesus, the one who will establish uh, uh, shalom and, and wholeness in the earth. But what's the point? Why don't I take you through this tour of the Old Testament? The point's this. When it comes to wholeness, what humanity always brings to the picture is brokenness. We always bring brokenness to the picture. You know, we have all kinds of ideas about how to fix brokenness and how to fix injustice and how to fix things that are wrong, but we contribute nothing to the picture except brokenness. It's God alone who can establish shalom, peace, wholeness. You see, these are the things that happen when God gets his way, when God's will is done perfectly. Maybe another way that we would say this is that wholeness comes. Wholeness is what happens when the kingdom of God comes. Wholeness is evidence of God's presence. So the pursuit of wholeness is a pursuit of an ever-increasing measure of God's presence in your life. When you experience brokenness in your life, what you need is not more good ideas. What you need is more of God's presence. More of God's presence. When we say we pursue wholeness with authenticity, what we're saying is that we pursue God's rule and reign with authenticity. We pursue the kingdom of God with authenticity. Now, this is really important for us to get our heads around because if we don't, here's what we do naturally. Naturally, we'll create our own, our own uh, measures of success and our own solutions to the problems we face. Instead of measuring success by what is true of God's kingdom, we measure success by what we can conceive of or what we're comfortable with. And when we do this, we artificially cap what's possible. You see, here's the thing. The kingdom of God is better than we could imagine, Right? The kingdom of God is so far beyond what we could imagine. His ways are not our ways. And so when we begin to do uh, uh, 
wholeness in our own strength, what we do is we decide, well, this is all the further wholeness could be because it's all I can imagine. Or this is all the, the greater that uh, we, could, we could hope for by way of wholeness because it's all I'm comfortable with. You see, we begin to apply natural solutions to supernatural problems. When faced with financial difficulties, we begin to rearrange finite numbers instead of asking God who gives from limitless storehouses. Listen, don't mishear me. I'm not saying you need to be uh, frivolous or, or, or unwise in how you manage finances. Budgeting is a great idea. I think it's important. You know, uh, making sure you don't spend more than you earn, totally important. But what I'm saying is that God's ability to provide is much better and much greater than we could ever imagine. It's much better than, than anything we could hope for. You see, when you need more money, you need to, to maybe have a different job. God is the one that can provide those things. That we should pursue wholeness. We should pursue, pursue God's best. And we, we, we pursue it wisely. But it's God that takes care of it. Or, 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 you know, when you're faced with mental health issues, you know, we go from doctor to doctor and counselor to counselor, and we're seeking just the right treatment instead of asking God, who knit you in your mother's womb and knows you completely inside out. I'm not saying you shouldn't go to a doctor. What I'm saying is that it's only God who heals you. I mean, think about your life for a minute. There's not a person in this room who doesn't have awareness of the ways in your life that are not whole. Whether it's addiction, emotional trauma, mental illness, financial lack, health issues, we're all aware of areas in our lives that don't align with God's desire for our life. And what we need in all of these areas, we probably have all kinds of ideas about what we need in these areas, but what we need more than anything else, what needs to be primary in our lives is a pursuit of more of God's presence. Because in the kingdom, provision is plenty. There's always enough. There's always what we need. We need the kingdom of God to break in. We're never going to solve the problems we face by focusing on the areas of brokenness. We solve the problems that we face by focusing on God's presence, by pursuing shalom. And it's only in these places, it's only in the places of God's nearness and God's presence that he can speak to us and maybe supernaturally he heals us or maybe he says, here's the, the, the course of action, you go to this doctor. But we don't, we pursue his presence. And it's only he who can give us the correct measurement of success. There are so many of us who are living in a place in our lives where we have accepted less than God's best because we haven't pursued wholeness. We haven't pursued shalom. We have not pursued God's presence in these areas. And we've become content with less than all that God has for us. Only God gives us the correct measurement of success. And would you open yourself 
to the fact that maybe you don't know what God desires. Would you be willing to open your life to God that he might put his finger on places where he wants to increase you, places where he wants more wholeness for you than you even want for yourself? Because it's only he who can bring the wholeness that we're after. Right? And it becomes so clear, right, that, that there's implications for the pursuit of wholeness within our personal lives. But this v- value that we have of pursuing wholeness with authenticity goes far beyond just personal life. It actually has community implications. You know, uh, I, I'm going to hopefully uh, do this in such a way that, that, you can, that you can track with me, but... I'm sure we're all aware, right? In the past few years, these, these many social movements that have really become prominent, right? The, the, they're marked by hashtags, right? Me Too or Black Lives Matter. And movements like these happen. Stay with me. Movements like these happen because there's something off in society, right? They, 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 you know, Me Too is, is that, that, you know, there's... Issues with the way sexuality gets expressed in our country. There's uh, Black Lives Matter. There's issues with the way that black people uh, get get uh, related to, right? There, there's actual things that are off in society. The problem is when we create movements that are not founded on pursuit of the kingdom of God to, to address social concerns. What ends up happening is we fail in the same way that we fail in our own lives. We don't have the right measurements of success. We conceive of what we're comfortable with or what we can, what we can think in our, own, uh, in our own minds. And we don't have the means to actually address the root of the problem. You see, these movements, they actually put their finger on something that God does care about. God does genuinely care about people being protected from sexual assault. God uh, genuinely does care about black lives. These are actually things that God cares about. And these are things that the church of Jesus Christ actually holds the answer to. But the problem is, when the church doesn't step out and lead in demonstrating the kingdom of God in these things... All we're left with is people who are not filled with the Spirit of God addressing supernatural problems with natural solutions. You know, you may have all kinds of reactions to to these movements, and many of them are probably warranted. But the reality is, the kingdom of God is the answer. You see, the root of these issues always comes back to sin, like we said earlier. But apart from Jesus, the best thing that we can come up with is condemnation and artificial justice and artificial peace. The problem with these social movements is not necessarily that they have the wrong issues. The problem is that they have the wrong measurements of success and they lack the means to address the sin issue at its root. They don't go far enough in solving the problem. Because they don't have the ability to create conviction and to offer forgiveness. You see, when something's amiss, the best we can come up with if we don't have Jesus is to condemn those who are guilty. 
That's the best we can come up with. And yet, Jesus offers conviction and repentance and forgiveness. See, we have the answers here. When we say that we pursue wholeness in the community, we do actually confront the issues. You know, there's whole wings of the church who have committed themselves to basically denying the issues that are prevalent in society because they don't like the movements that they're a part of. There are whole wings of the church that say, well, I don't like this Black Lives Matter movement. I don't like this uh, Me Too movement. And so in addition to casting off the movement, I'm going to cast off the issues and decide that they're not real. Here's the thing, friends. As followers of Jesus, we have to stare the evils of the world in the face. We don't turn a blind eye to the struggle of black people in our country. We don't close our ears to those who have been through sexual assault. But what we bring to the table is the kingdom of God. We stare evil in the face knowing that Jesus has defeated evil. What we bring to the table is a kingdom that offers healing to the wounded. The kingdom that offers conviction, repentance, and restoration to the offender. The kingdom that offers reconciliation to people who would otherwise be divided. When we pursue wholeness, we bring Jesus into the situation. There's not a social movement in the world that can accomplish what Jesus can accomplish. Ephesians 2, Paul talks about Jesus this way. He says, for he himself, Jesus, is our peace. He's our irene, our shalom. He is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulation. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body, to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. Here's the deal, friends. Sin is at the root of all of the problems that these social issues, these social movements have put their fingers on. And yet it's only Jesus who has the ability to heal the brokenness in our nation. It's only Jesus. It's only the kingdom of God that has the ability to bring about the forgiveness and the restoration that is necessary for us to go forward as a community. The best we can hope for if we don't have the kingdom of God, if we don't pursue wholeness of the kingdom, the best we can hope for is condemnation and permanent breaking of relationship. But thanks be to God that he offers us a way forward. But the only way that it works, friends, is if we who know, love, and follow Jesus actively pursue the kingdom, that we actively pursue Jesus, that we actually pursue the presence of God, that we actually pursue the shalom of God, wholeness. Friends, I think there's a lot of us who have been hesitant. We've, we've sort of like, we've sort of hedged our bets and we've said, well, if this kingdom thing doesn't work out, I'm going to align myself with these particular social movements. If the kingdom doesn't work out, I'm going I'm to hedge my bets with a political party. 
You know, if we can't solve the ills in, in our nation, well, I'm going to align myself with the, 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 the group of people who seems to be moving forward. But friends, the calling of the church of Jesus Christ is to visit the shalom of God, to pursue the shalom of God in every situation. That we would experience the wholeness of God in our own lives, that we would experience the wholeness of God in our families, that we would experience the wholeness of God in our community. Friends, this community needs you. Your workplace needs you. Your friend group needs you. Your school needs you. Your government needs you. They don't know it. Jesus has invited you to take him everywhere, that you would pursue the presence of God in every situation. And as a church, we are committed to pursuing the kingdom of God in every situation, that we would see God's rule and reign everywhere. That's why I say all the time that we want to transform the spaces we inhabit by the power of the gospel. Friends, this is the invitation that God has given to us. We're all aware of the areas of brokenness. And it's only the kingdom of God, it's only the presence of God that brings the wholeness. Could we be people who commit ourselves to bringing the kingdom everywhere we go? to inviting and to welcoming Jesus, inviting the presence of God everywhere we go.